your host here Michelle and Jamie and as usual we've got a couple of special announcements Jamie do you want to go ahead and take care of those for us hey guys so as usual if you want to support us you can start with those monthly donations this will allow us to create engaging content more frequently and this will get us on more platforms Secondly, send us those voice messages. This will allow us to hear what you have to say, and we may also feature you on a future episode if you would like. And lastly, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast. We are on um, CastBox. We're on Anchor. That's our main hub. We're also on Spotify, and I'm not sure what else, but you can subscribe, like, you can rate, you can review all that stuff helps us, so make sure you leave a review. Yay. And the last thing that we want to mention, as usual, there's a certain pandemic that is going around, and we want to make sure that you guys are all safe. So please send, up a, send us a message. Let us know that you're safe. We love all of you guys, and we are so happy that you guys are listening to us and following us on this journey. So blessed be. So yeah. yeah, on this episode, we've got a guest with us, and we are so excited to have her. Um, so Barbara, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about this episode? Sure. My name is Barbara Condren, and I am a dream journalist. And I didn't really realize I was a dream journalist until about... Oh, I'd say the last year or so. And the reason why is because I realized in reflecting on my life, I'm actually in my mid-60s now. So um, I've spent a whole life invested in dream work. I started actually when I was six years old with a nightmare. We can talk about that if you like because there's probably a lot of kids now having nightmares. Um, that's a whole deep subject too. But I finally came around someone who actually interpreted my dreams when I was 22. And that started me on a journey then that has lasted my whole life in understanding dreams, dream work, uh, Tibetan dream yoga. Uh, it spans many people. I've even uh, been in charge of global lucid dreaming experiments for 10 years that, that covered people in dreamers in 38 countries. I've interpreted more than 25,000 dreams over my lifetime. Um, radio, TV spots when I was younger in my 20s, 30s, um, lots of students always have taught and also had clients. And it's fascinating to me to have that background and that kind of experience because it's not just a personal discipline, but it's also an interactive discipline with other people. And so at this point in my life, I've realized that my um, academic life before I got into that was journalism. I was a J school student, <clears throat> excuse me, at the University of Missouri in Columbia, which actually is the first school of journalism in the world. That's their claim to fame. Um, and I have written all my life. I've, um, I've done spots for Huffington Post and um, Children of the New Earth, and I've written about two dozen books. Um, so I've written, and I've also been editor of a Threshold magazine. 
um, in my history. And so I've done a lot of work with journalism, but I never married the two. I, even though I've taught people, this is really funny, even though I've taught people to create green, dream journals, to write down their dreams first thing in the morning, it never occurred to me that being a dream journalist was actually something, that it was, it was a, a discipline, that it was a consciousness movement until the last year. And part of that was just kind of um, needing to go through a kind of death, um, a kind of death in consciousness of leaving an old life behind and embracing a new one. Um, there's a lot of that, I think, that people are dealing with right now, that we might get into that topic as we kind of drift in here. But my focus right now is new. It's like I'm being born again. It's a, it's a resurrection of consciousness that is very much in keeping with what I call spiritual renaissance that I think we are embarking upon. Maybe a different kind of look and voice to what's going on in the world right now because so much of the attention is on pandemic and things that are so small we can't see them, but they're going to hurt us. And they're also going to hurt our relationships with other people, things like that. And they're rocking our economy a little bit. And, you know, we're in for some waves, but it does bring us together. Yeah. And I think yeah. as we come together, not only between us, but also inside of us, then we're going to see the spiritual renaissance rise. And it will be a matter of elevating your consciousness for the common good. I wrote a book on that in 1999. It was published right before the turn of the century and millennium, which was kind of cool. And it's really based upon uh, Benjamin Franklin, who was an amazing man. I know that you told me, Michelle, that you're a Capricorn. He was a Capricorn, too. <laughs> Capricorns are amazing. You're amazing people. You can, you can uh, produce so many things in your life. You know, Ben Franklin was the one that created the post office system. Mm-hmm. You know? He was an ambassador. You probably know all about him because you're Capricorn. He was an ambassador to, to France. You know, he was on the Constitutional Convention Committee. He really did more to forge the, the beginning of the United States than probably anybody else. He worked with the Iroquois and uh, adopted much of uh, <coughs> the think of the Confederacy, their, their nation, that the United States, uh, part of our government is, is modeled after that system and a lot of that has to do with ben franklin of course he did poor 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 richard's almanac and he also came up with 13 virtues and i think that the thing that i liked the most about his virtues was the 13th one was imitate jesus and socrates and i thought anybody who put those two people together like that had to have a sense of respect uh, probably a sense of humor too a little bit but um a wide expanse of conscious living you know and he, what three centuries ago um he's quite a man quite a man so i drew on that i also drew on da vinci da vinci probably is in my top 10 people to know about um definitely a genius definitely an innovator definitely a creative thinker um wow you know he channeled things that we still haven't invented <laughs> even now, right? Yeah. So if you can think like Da Vinci, you got a free thought going. I, and so I all of that comes in. So <laughs> all of that goes into something I call Master Living. And I have a, a website right now called masterliving.org. And it is changing almost daily right now. Um, 
it's converting and it's growing. So people can probably reach me through there uh, if they want to contact me. I'm going to have a, a button there, a submit button, where people can submit their dreams. And we will look at those. I'm starting to do a uh, webinar format that will be open and free, particularly now while people are, are home not alone. <laughs> and, you know, they have things to do. And, and, you know, they want to, as the, as the weeks and days go by, I think that people are going to want to let go of some of the irritation and the fear and anxiety and all that and, and get some really good medicine um, in terms of food for thought. And I hope to be part of it for many people. So there'll be an open webinar that'll be Thursdays at noon Eastern time. And I'll take a dream that's come in through the week and we'll talk about it in terms of the discipline in understanding dreams that I use and um, have taught all my life. And then we'll answer questions. We'll just commit. It's called Dream Forum. And I think it'll, it'll be really enriching for a lot of people. And probably then hopefully transpose it onto YouTube so it'll have a wider audience and reach people. So yes. those are the kind of things I've got now. And just so you guys know, all this information that we've got is going to be in the notes section down below. So you can check out where to find her at masterliving.org, like she said. And you can find all this information in the notes section. So be sure to check that out before you guys leave. All right. So... Let's get into it. Let's talk about dreams and the life of dreams. Let's get into that topic. What is that about? Dreams are about you. Um, it's very interesting because I started out being very concerned about my night dreams. When I was six, I woke up in a nightmare. I was crying, and I remember running to my parents' bedroom, and I ran to the side that my mother slept on because, you know, you know not to wake dad up in the middle of the night. It's kind of <laughs> Like, just don't do that. So, and I knew which side she slept on, so I ran right to her in the dark. And I'm crying, and she wakes up immediately, and she holds me, and she says, "Honey, are you sick?" Which was really cool that that was her first her first question. And I couldn't talk, so I just shook my head violently. And she said, "Hey," and I shook my head. And she said, "Did you have a bad, bad dream?" And I nodded. And she hugged me and she said, it's okay, it's okay, it's over. That was really good, that was fine. You know, it's like, really good mom, right? <laughs> and I mean, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for her love and, you know, waking up in the middle, all those things I'm grateful for, right? Then she said something that really shook my world. She said, it's okay, it wasn't real. And even at six, I knew that the dream was real. I couldn't even tell her what the dream was because I was crying so bad. But I knew that she didn't think that they were real. So it didn't really matter if I told her what the dream was. And that kind of left me in a kind of limbo, I guess, for years where I didn't, I didn't have anybody I felt like I could talk to dreams because it wasn't something that was brought up around me at home. Um, when I started going to school, which was about that time, it definitely wasn't there. Nobody else was talking about it. And so I kind of went on a hunt through my life of, of it always, always being in the back of my mind and, and kind of bugging me. And then when I would have dreams, I didn't know what they meant. And I wanted to know what they meant. I thought they meant something. So this is interesting because I was raised in a Christian environment. Yeah. And yeah. 
and as many people are in the United States. Um, and we studied in Sunday school, Sunday school, which was for different levels of school. And we were studying the story about Joseph, who gets sold into slavery by his brother. He's, he's the young brother. And he's put into prison in Egypt. He starts in interpreting the dreams of and it's through interpreting the dreams of the Pharaoh that he gets out of, and he becomes like the Pharaoh's right hand. And so I was, I'm listening to this story when I'm about, I don't know, eight, ten, somewhere in there. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe Reverend Rody, who was the minister, and I really like this guy a lot. And I thought, maybe he knows about dreams. So I built up enough courage to t talk to him. And I told, you know, Joseph in class, and I was wondering if you know how to, and he, he was, he was such a kind man. Um, and he was very honest with me. And this, this is what he said, which was really sweet. God gave me that gift, but I can tell you this. They said, but I can tell you this, that if it's important that you know, he will send you somebody. And so, you know, at that age, at that young age, I, I believe it. And as the years progressed, I got more skeptical, but that's another story, right? It was, it was not until I was a senior in high school when we were studying Shakespeare and dreams are, are very much in Shakespeare's writing. And I had a really good relationship with my teacher and I thought, okay, maybe she knows something. So I talked to her after class and she said, I don't have an idea about dreams. That was never me. And she said, but I know you're going to college, so take, take psychology courses. So she gave me that counsel. And you got to remember that this is way back in the early, early 70s. So, you know, it was not, the net wasn't here. Information wasn't like everywhere. Right. So you knew <laughs> things like that when you can. You know, I, I had no idea. I was completely in my community, which I, which kind of ironically is what, this whole pandemic kind of thing is putting us into our own space instead of being so scattered out. It's kind of an interesting thing. We might talk about that in a minute. So I took psych courses when I went to college. And in those days, again, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about dreams. So that wasn't very helpful. I ended up graduating and I went to a class in metaphysics. It was kind of an informal class at a place called the School of Metaphysics. And the woman who was teaching the class was only about a year older than me. And she sat there and she said, dream study is going to be part of this class. So you'll want to write them down and bring them to class. And she said, does anybody have a dream that they'd like me to interpret? And as long as I had been looking for assistance in dreams, nobody had ever asked me if they could interpret a dream for me. Nobody. Wow. And I, wow. yeah, I mean, my, my jaw dropped to the floor. It was like, and my head went crazy it was kind of like skeptical you know it's like all these people i have i've read i've talked to i've been through all these people nobody said that they would do that and you're, you're gonna do that you know it's that kind of thing however that's how i got started because i did indeed learn that dreams come through in a language there it's it's very much like learning chinese or french or italian oh that's so fascinating that you say that it, 
it's the same process. It's it can be taught and learned. It's a science, and I call it well, mind linguistics because it very much is. And when you stop and think about it now, because a lot has changed since the seventies. Yeah. When you are like at an airport and you're looking for a restroom, what are you going to see? You're going to see an image. You're going to see an image, either a man or a woman, sometimes a family, if it's a family restroom. And that's immediately, no, it's a picture language, right? Right. It's a visual language. And that's what, exactly. And that's how your dreams work. It's the same way. So when we go to sleep at night and we wake up, with a dream, we're remembering images mm-hmm. and we're remembering sound. It's like your own personal movie, yeah. right? Yeah. The reality is that it's come from your inner self. Some people call it the subconscious mind. I use that term. Um, sometimes I talk about it as the soul because I have a very, um, there's a certain level of spirituality and romance that I have and how I look at, at the inner levels of consciousness and at dreams because dreams are a way to communicate What's inside of us? You know, that other 80% that, that neuroscientists talk about. Yeah. That <laughs> we're like on autopilot, you know, and all these other things. There's something else greater that's in control of our heart beating, our blood moving, and all that. And also a kind of wisdom that we have. So dreams are a way, a ticket into actually accessing that 80% that makes all the difference in the world. It's the creative part. It's the healing part. It's the part that we want to know so that, you know, when we get sick or things like that, then we have resources to draw on inside of us to create health, mentally, emotionally, physically. So there are lots of, of uh, depths to dreams in terms of their value to us and the reason to pay attention to them. And there's also the, the communication factor that's really important internally. That's that so creates fascinating. Just- Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it is because you're fascinating. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because I, um, yeah, I learned sign language, which is a visual language, and I also do art, which is also a visual a visual language, and I compared the two, and I never thought of dreaming as a visual language as well, and comparing those two things, and I think that that's just so fascinating. Do you remember that, Jamie, when I was comparing the linguistics of art and the linguistics of sign language? And my gosh, my head is banging up against the wall for that. Well, I mean, I think that languages all speak out in different ways, not just through our voice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That is kind of cool. It's a spiritual language. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. So I don't mean to interrupt you, but I had a question real quick. When you were six, you said that you had that nightmare. Yes. Did you mm-hmm. ever interpret that nightmare for yourself? Absolutely. I mean, that was the dream that I told to, told to my teacher. Um, there were some interesting elements about it because it was in a house and we didn't live in the house. We lived, we had a family-owned business. It was, it was a motel business. So we were in the hospitality in, industry. And we had built it, and the office, on the side of the office were two apartments that were connected to the office. And we lived in one of them. And so that's where I lived. I never had a house. The only recognition that I had of houses was either through friends or 
um, on television, which is that you got now. Yeah, um, yeah very, very uh, slim. So this house was like a big white house. It was two-story, and it had a basement. And I heard I was in the house, and I heard this ding, 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 kind of erratic kind of metal sounding thing. And so I went down the hall, and there the basement door was somewhat open, and there was a light on. And I remember feeling a little bit scared of the basement. Yeah. And but I went over there, and I looked down, and there was Dad, and he was turned away from me. And so I went down and. To, to see him or help or whatever. And he was pulling on something. He had this wrench in his hand. It looked really big, you know, to a six-year-old. It was, like, huge. And he was pulling on it, and all of a sudden, it came loose. I didn't really understand that until later, thinking about the dream. But it, it came loose, whatever the bolt that he was trying to, to loosen up. And it hit him in the mouth. And he went, oh, you know, kind of grunted. And I said, Dad, are you, or Daddy, Daddy, whatever, are you all right? And he kind of mumbled, get your mom, and, and he turned around, and I could see blood coming out of his hand. Freaked me out really bad. So I ran upstairs, and I started going through the house trying to find my mom. And I went all through the first floor, went off to the second floor, couldn't find her anywhere, ran out the front door, went to the street. It was night because there were street lights on. And there was nobody there. It was completely still and silent. Kind of like it's feeling right now, yeah. you know, in some of the city. Nobody's night. And so I turned around and I started back to the house and I saw my mom and my dad in the doorway. And the light was on and everything. And I was really happy. So I started running toward them and I got about halfway up the sidewalk and I stopped because I saw that my dad, in place of his head, was this mole like creature. And it flipped me out. I just, it woke me up. It was completely emotional. I was scared to death and I started crying and I ran in and that was the, oh, wow. so yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I never did forget that dream because it struck me so profoundly and I've revisited many times kind of the story of how I got started in all this. So it comes up a lot in conversations like this venue. <laughs> and so there's, there are certain elements to it we can talk about in terms of symbology, which sheds light immediately. The house is talking about the mind. So it was talking about my mind at the time, which was actually pretty normal and acceptable and common. Because in, in that day and age, there weren't a whole lot of apartment buildings yet and that kind of thing. So a lot of people lived in houses like that. And they were mostly made of wood. Mm -hmm. um, fewer brick, you know, but most of them were wood houses. And so my, I was seeing my mind at that time in terms of what it meant to me. I was seeing my mind as, as being pretty natural, normal, you know, just a kid, right? Yeah. And the different levels of the house represent the different parts of mind, which have different functions. So the basement was the unconscious. And that's where my dad was. People in a dream, let me say this, a basic principle to any dream, even um, if there are events in a dream like visitation of somebody who has passed on, in instances like that, which we can talk about if you want in a little while, um, but every dream, even 
it, no matter what that is, the symbology is going to relate to the dreamer at the time that the dream occurs. So it's going to be pretty topical and relevant to what's been going on in your life, probably within the last couple of days, maybe the last week. Um, it's trying to give be a feedback system to help you improve your life. Your inner self, your subconscious mind is your best friend, if you will allow. And it's like having a conversation when you learn how to work with your dreams. It's really quite fascinating. And it's always helpful. So my, my subconscious mind with the dream was trying to let me know what was going on in my mind, in my consciousness. So everything was pretty normal. And, and in the unconscious part, the things that I was not aware of, that I hadn't learned yet, my dad was there. He represented my superconscious mind. Superconscious mind being uh, the part that holds the connection with source, the part that holds, if you will, a kind of blueprint for being a completely manifested spiritual being, um, 10x human, however you want to look at it, superpowers, however you want to look at mm -hmm. it, but that total individual that we all are. And um, his teeth got knocked out. Teeth getting knocked out in a dream is a very common dream. It's a common symbol. Happens a lot. It brings yeah, in top that 10. happens in my dreams all the time where my teeth are falling out and I freak out. Like, that's terrifying for me. Yeah, it is for most people. It really is. We put so much attention on our, on our mouth and smiling and our teeth, you know, and all that. And um, that was talking about a way that I was trying to understand and assimilate learning because I just started going to school and because I didn't live in a neighborhood I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with kids on a daily basis I did when I about the only time school to school public school the time that I was interacting with other kids was at church and um, that was good but that's about it so once I went to school everything changed and the dream was really informing me about the, those changes and how I was, was or was not adapting very well. So it was bringing up a whole lot of unconscious things that I didn't really have the skills to be able to understand my environment very well. Wow. And, yeah, when I was looking at my, for my mom and didn't find her, that part of the superconscious, because she, the parents will always represent that high-mindedness, wasn't even there. I couldn't even find it. So I wasn't receiving what, what was happening. And I remember that at the time I had the dream, I had switched schools. I did fine in kindergarten when I was five. Um, and then I, they built a new school and I switched schools and it freaked me out. And it became a big deal in my head for years that I was still figuring out when I was in my 20s and 30s. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was heavy for me. It was intense. And... The part about dad and the mole, it was that at that point, I began, uh, animals in a dream represent habits, compulsive ways of thinking, um, things that we dial in and autopilot. We just don't even think about it. So there was a certain part of me that at that point just kind of went on hold. Um, it just kind of got frozen a little bit in terms of how I looked at the world and the way that I really understood that later was that when I went to school, I was exposed to all different kinds of people. And because I was a single child and I had lived largely on my own, I thought that everybody thought the same way I did. 
And so I go to school and I find out this is not at all true. <laughs> this is a fallacy, you know, and it's like, and so I was totally um, lost and freaked out a lot about, so it led me actually to become a counselor because it made me very mindful. It made me a good listener. It made me a keen observer of people. And it helped me to grow the love and compassion that I have that really has guided my whole life. So even though it looked on the surface like a pretty creepy bad thing uh, and not comfortable at all, at all, it actually became the way that I was able to make choices that would cause there to be a lineup inside me to really be of service with other people and to be connected. So it ended up driving my whole life. Wow. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, I was just living through it for the first 20 years, just trying to cope. And yet yeah. when I look back, the dream itself was very insightful. That does make a lot of sense. That's really fascinating. That's really, really fascinating that you go through that. I'm wondering, you said that animals in dreams represent habits. What if an animal in your dream is your pet? Is that still a habit? It's still a habit. It's a habit, however, that you're attached to. As long as you like the cat or dog or whatever you have, goldfish, whatever it is. Uh, it's one that you, you care for, that you care about. And so this might be a habit like brushing your teeth. <laughs> or it might, have, it might be a habit of, of um, smiling when you go to work or when you see you know, the person that you live with. That it's, it's just your habit, your manner of being gentle, friendly, loving. That's so fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was just wondering. It's really I've had so many dreams with animals. And I, I mean, Jamie can tell you this. I'm so connected to animals. And it's such a, a big part of my life. And I just, I love all the animals. Oh, my gosh. When the rainforest was burning, I was, I was in turmoil. I was like, no. But that is so fascinating. So, what what else have you done um, going through the all, all these processes and whatnot? Oh, my gosh, that's a big question. Let's go back to the animals a minute. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask both of you for dreams, that the, the earliest dream that you remembered, so you can kind of be thinking about that over here on the side. Oh. Um, yeah. So, okay, with animals. In many cultures, particularly China and indigenous cultures, um, in order to understand the animal nature of the human being, there were personifications of animals and even imitation of animals. Martial arts, many of them are built upon, yeah. Uh, yeah, upon using animal forms, things like that. So that's largely not really part of modern head-driven culture, but it's coming back that we're settling down into integrating all of us. So like the owl, for instance, often is a symbol of wisdom. Yes. That's how I see the, the animals is a lot like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of how Native Americans put it into their culture as well, because I'm part Native American. So I, uh -huh. I take a lot of that wow. and I have like totems and, and things like that that I use almost daily now. <laughs> And this is really where the individual factor of dream interpretation comes in. Because 
even though I will talk about the, the language, the dreamer is always the final authority on their dream and what the dream means. You, you have to do that work yourself. Nobody else can do that for you. So it's just like, um, it's interesting because it really is just like language. Somebody else can read you a story. That's very much like in indigenous uh, cultures, there was usually one dream interpreter, a shaman, mm-hmm. a priest in every culture. They were the ones that were supposed to know the spiritual realms, which is why I went to my minister with my dream. In the time period now of evolution, more and more we're realizing that we have almost like a, 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 an internal edict that we need to face this ourselves, that we need to become our own inner driving force, our own inner authority, our own inner shaman, our own inner guide, and that we really are equipped with everything we need to do so. The thing that we don't necessarily know are what the tools are to be able to access it. So the dream language, the symbolic language, understanding that is like learning the ABCs in English. Once somebody works with you to know the ABCs, then you can read and you can choose whatever book is available. You know, now you can choose anything online <laughs> and you can get the information. You can make it knowledge. How wonderful that is. That wasn't always true. That was not true. In my lifetime, that was not true. Right. If you, you know, if you wanted to know something, it depended upon what was in the library if you had one in your town. Right. And now you, you have know, everything at your fingertips. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So the way that life has expanded, the way that information has expanded, it's overload right now. It's freaking us all out. That's one of the reasons why we got what we have right now that we're going through this year, I think, in terms of intuitive insight with it. And it's all going to be a self-correcting system. It's going to work out great. We'll still have what we need, I'm sure. And we will be better for it. And we will move into a realm where we're much pickier, choosier about our experiences, because we will more and more choose experiences that are wholesome, that really feed a level of understanding inside us. Yeah. Whether you want to see it as like increasing or you want to see it as more healing or you want to see it as more uh, agreeable, loving, compassionate. We'll talk about it different ways, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same yeah. thing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And that- yeah. So I think that's really exciting. That is, that is really exciting. Yeah, I have a hope, I have a hopeful outlook. Uh, because, you know, pain is temporary. Pain is merely something that helps us to draw our attention to what needs our attention right now. Because we don't know where to put our attention. Our attention is everywhere. It's all, all we're all ADD. We're all off the walls, right? Yeah. And so if we don't choose to put our attention on things and get involved in, in something and really work it, then we find that we become um, um, at the mercy almost of the environment. And when we do that, then we start leaving openings in ourselves for uh, being out of balance. Mm-hmm. That then is opening to pain because our body says, hey, hey, stop this. <laughs> you know, whether it's, um, whether it's a headache or whether it's a cold or whether it's... Um, your back going out, uh, it, you know, it, it depends upon the way that you're using your thinking, which part of the body is going to be affected. That's a whole inner science as well that's intuitive. And your dreams can talk about your health. Yeah. 
and the imagery, they will let you know about your health. When you have, uh, as imagery in a, in a dream, your small vehicles, like your car, um, a small boat, will represent your body. So in a dream, if something's wrong with your car, flat tire, if you have a wreck, yeah, and it's telling you that you need to pay attention to your body, there's, there's something about your body, and where I go with it, when I have dreams like that, and for most people, it takes about three months for something like that to manifest out from the inner levels of mind and get all the way out to the physical. So you have a time lag there, a jet lag almost, where you can do something about it so that the dream message just kind of dissolves in the middle because you worked it out. I remember I had a dream... This was after I'd been doing, been studying and practicing concentration, meditation, visualization for about five years. And so I was pretty good at the turnaround with some of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I had a dream that the, the, uh, I busted the water pump on my car and woke up and I knew it was a health dream. And I was going, okay, what's the function of a water pump on a car? Because I'm not, I'm not mechanically inclined with cars. And I thought, okay, well, the best I can do about that is it cools the system. You know, that's the purpose of the water is to cool the engine. And I was working it, working it, trying to figure it out. And two days later, I came down with the worst cold that I'd ever had. And I thought back to that dream and I thought, well, now you know what the water pumps told you about. <laughs> I was like, it's a little late to figure it out, but there it is. Um, you know, so you learn, you learn as you go and, um, they're just fascinating. It's like, you know, the relationship that you have with yourself determines the relationship you have with everybody. I agree with that. I agree. Cause I, I figure if you can't love yourself, who can you love? And that's, um, that's kind of my outlook right now. You know, I don't really have. Um, a lot going on right now so I'm trying to figure out me and who I am and I'm trying to like really get to know myself so that I can get to know others well which sounds weird but I swear it's true I think that's a journey we're all on Michelle I you know I, we're all on it with you because what I'm finding is that I'm reinventing myself at at the age physical age that I am and in terms of, of how I see myself, I'm infinite and ageless. Yeah. See, that's how I feel like it is on a spiritual level as well. Is that's just that's yeah. just how it is. And I, I'm very excited for, you know, the next go around because I, I believe in reincarnation and whatnot. So it's super exciting. And I love that kind of stuff. Um, my fiance actually recently had a dream. T speaking of cars. Yeah where he his car was on fire and he drives a stick shift and he mm -hmm. i don't know how to drive his damn car i i have no idea how to drive that thing and it was on fire because i didn't know how to drive it and i wrecked it and i was on a mountain and he had to come rescue me and i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> you know and I'm like, what, what, is, what does any of that mean? So I tried, like, okay, let's do my dream interpretations. Go, you know, to my grimoire and see what I've got, you know. <laughs> so I did the best I could to interpret it the best that I could. <laughs> you know, in, um, let's see, I think it was around 1995, 
I've been studying the stuff for over 20 years at that point and working with lots of people. So I created a book that was based on what we're talking about today called The Dreamer's Dictionary. And it, it, I thought of it years before I created it because I wanted it to be like a dictionary. I wanted it to have mind linguistic kind of look to it right. and feel to it. You know, where it wasn't like all wives' tales and all that, because some of those are fun and some of them are accurate and they're all interesting. But, and there's lots of dreamers' dictionaries now. Yeah. Um, at the time, that was true, though. And this one is, is different. It really is like a reference book because it, it, it takes and it looks at them in terms of what the dictionary, like Webster's dictionary, definition of that word car. It will say a vehicle for transportation. Mm hmm. Then next call you how it relates to the mind. And how that relates to the mind is that what takes your consciousness, your intelligence from here to there is your body. That's what you use. It's a vehicle that you use from one room to the next, from one house to the next, you know, from, from this city to another city. You use your physical body. So that's why when it shows up in a dream, talking about your body with your with your husband to be yes. um the, there's interesting things not only the fire that's interesting and important you're driving right yeah and i have yeah. no idea how in to. other words <laughs> yeah so for him this is his dream so when he had that dream that dream was telling him that he was relying on subconscious mind to direct him in a way that was causing inflammation in his body. Interesting. So you would want to talk to him about when and what was going on like the day or two before the dream happened. Because there was something that he, um, probably something that he did may have been overworking at the gym or something it could be like that or it might have been emotional where um something might have happened at work or something and he just got really fired up literally fired up angry um whatever <laughs> and take it it was he was taking it out on his body and, and the subconscious and the body crashed which means that you know that can mean nothing more than he had a really angry episode at work where somebody came home, was fit to be tied about it, didn't really deal with it, didn't cut it, whatever, went to sleep and just dumped it on his subconscious mind to handle. And the crash of sleeping was the crash of the car. In other words, you know, when you get mad, sometimes you really can't think straight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, if you don't have devices going on, on ways to cope and ways to understand or someone to talk to or anything you just kind of sit and can go and that's how we really create disorders and diseases is don't deal with them mentally and emotionally so the only place that that energy can go is in your own body yeah that makes sense that makes a lot so of the sense so the dream comes in and helps us to say hey wake up look at this you may have been doing this that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> what we do 
then a whole lot less doctor bills. We don't get hooked on drugs. Um, you know, it's just life becomes simpler. We spend a whole lot of money on health procedures or health insurance or whatever. In other words, we live much more naturally. And increasingly, people talk about living naturally, but they don't know how to do it. And one of the best ways, one of the most economical ways, is to learn how to interpret your dreams. Learn how to do it for yourself. I'm right now in the, in the middle of writing online course, master course in dreaming, because I want people to be able to do that on their own. And I've talked to people in person for years, but now with the internet the way it is, it can get out to more and more people. So that's pretty exciting. I want people to be able to, to work with their dreams because it's, it's your best resource. I agree. I agree. And I, I see, I love Amazing. dream interpretation and that kind of stuff. It just, it takes so long to learn and I'm trying. It's so difficult sometimes though, but I will look at your book and see if I can find it um, and whatnot and see, you know, see, see what I can do. Cause I think it would be a lot of fun. I'm currently doing testiography, which is kind of a similar thing, but you just do it in a teacup. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I find that really fascinating as well. I, yeah. I'm a very visual person. <laughs> and I feel like that's a, that's a big thing. That's a really big thing with me. How are you feeling, Jamie? You've been very quiet over there. I'm just listening, taking it all, yeah. all in. <laughs> Is it overwhelming for you? Do you remember? Oh, um, no. No. Things no. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and continue then, because this is really fascinating. Like, I'm just absolutely fascinated by all this stuff. <laughs> so... There, there's several remember your dreams are you curious or is it just that you don't think they're important i'm not at all because people have reasons for not remembering their dreams i don't know You're not i honestly i feel like as i feel like as children um every child is an artist i feel as a child and then we go through the school system and we're kind of beating that out of us and we're beating the visual out of us and that kind of stuff it kind of fades away and we don't put as much importance on on dreams and things like that and I feel like that's why personally I don't know why I don't remember some of them I feel like sometimes it's because I block them out I feel like sometimes I'm just so stressed I can't even think I know I have insomnia and so it's hard for me to sleep in the first place so when I do dream it's it's usually a pleasure <laughs> Usually. That's my personal opinion about it, though. What do you think, Jamie? Um, well, I always remember my dreams very vividly. So. Really? Yeah. The first dream that I remember was probably when I was around five or six, two. And um, at the time, it was in the same house that we, we had been living in, me and my, when my parents were still married. And, and um, it was a farmhouse. We lived out in the country. And I, there was always, like, lava in the house, like, covering the floors. Wow. And I would always, yeah, yeah, they were really scary. And I, I had them more than once. 
once. I had them very, very wow. often. And there would always be like, yeah, there would always be snakes in like the lava. And I just remember always being scared and like being on the steps and like seeing the lava and the Did snakes. you play the floor is lava a lot as a kid? Like, I'm just curious. I did. <laughs> That's so funny. I see. I had a totally different game yeah. that was weird when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, I had a yeah. dream. Um, I was, I was, this is my first dream that I remember ever. And it's, I've only had this once. And I remember it being so realistic. All of my dreams are so realistic. I don't even know why. So I had this dream where I was like on a boat or something. And I looked out the window and there's this dead shark just floating on the ocean. And seagulls are pecking at it. And it's like, it's dead. It's being pecked at by seagulls. And I was like, oh my God, this poor shark. And, you know, I love sharks. Like, sharks are, I love them. They're such wonderful creatures, and I wish more people understood them better. Um, but then when I woke up, I felt woozy, like I was still on the ship. It was very strange. Like, I, I do have vertigo, and I do get seasickness, but when I was little, I didn't. And I felt like I was on the ship, so I stood up, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on the ship, guys. What's going on? It was weird. <laughs> Alright guys, we're going to listen to our sponsor of the week. Thank you, Anchor, so much for sponsoring us and supporting our podcast. And I don't really remember a lot about the ship, just first person point of view. And there was a uh -huh. hole, uh, like the window hole that you'd look through that was the circle. And I'd seen the shark. And I was sad. Mm -hmm. I was really sad. So was it, was it like a boat or was it a ship? It was like more like a boat, like a little one. I think. Okay. So, see, that makes a difference because if it's a small vehicle, then it's your body. If it's a large vehicle, like a ship, yeah. then you're talking about you're talking about an organization or a, a group of people, something like that. So, you know, and so that's not, not what it was. So, it was your body. Okay. So, this is, you know, both of these dreams, we'll work with both of them. Let's stick with yours since she just told you. <laughs> um, this is talking about a certain, you were how old? Mm, you know? I feel like I was probably eight or nine. Okay. Um, about that's like pre puberty, right? So mm -hmm. you were assembling the everyday experiences <laughs> where, where your mind could. Not, it was, just kept moving, and there were thoughts that were starting to. Um, you know, there were certain thoughts that you were becoming aware of that were linked to that your mind was just kind of moving, continually moving. And you, you and I have talked, and I'm sure that people that listen to your to the podcast know this probably about you um, that you are empathetic. And that, that you're pretty open. Yeah. So I think, particularly for birds, um, you were starting to really become kind of cognizant of the fact that the thoughts weren't all yours. Some of the thoughts that you were that you were thinking that were in your head belonged to somebody else. And you might kind of just let, meditate on that, rest on that, think about that, reflect on it. Wow. Yeah. And begin to to get whatever you know because that. that that's a good dream to have at that age and to to 
reflect back upon and see more about what your early years were about, what growing up was about. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Jamie, what is your dream about? The the one with the oh, snakes the lava, and the lava. Snakes and whatnot. But yeah, your interpretation absolutely makes sense, by the okay. way. Okay. You want to talk any more about that? So them, you don't have to, but if you like to, sometimes <laughs> it really, you know, it really does. Dream interpretation is not just, uh, oh, that's what it means. It really is. I see it as being your own counselor. Yeah. You know, the depth that you, with self-awareness in dream work is amazing. It will change your day, your day life. And it will help you with more confidence. It will help you with uh, directed thinking, intentional living. It will help you be confident. It will help you with any kind of dream that you have in the day, accomplishing it, that kind of thing. Relationships. There's no end of it. That makes so much sense. Yeah, when I was, I suppose when I was that age, I was very open and friendly and I was a very talkative little child. My goodness, you can imagine. Um, but I was a very, very open person. I didn't know that I was an empath until about a year and a half ago, I think. That's when I first found out like an empath was a thing. But I've always known that my dad was kind of a toxic person. Um, which I've, I've talked about this on the, on the podcast before that my dad wasn't exactly the most supportive. He's been toxic person in my life and, you know, he's a narcissist and whatnot like that. I've known that for a long time. And so it could be very possible that this baggage that I was carrying was his very much. So that's why it makes sense to me because I... I could see him putting things on me, like, all the time. I, he would put his baggage on me, and then I could see myself maybe becoming self-aware, like, look, these are not my problems. Not all this stuff is my fault, you know? I think at one point my dad actually came into the room because I was dating somebody, and this is after puberty, you know, 16, something like that. I was dating somebody my dad didn't like, and my parents got into an argument, and my dad comes downstairs and he's like, me and your mom are getting a divorce and I want to let you know it's your fault. Like, awesome thing for your parents to say, first of all. But second of all, I was able to kind of slide that off and be like, it's not actually my fault. Where I feel like a lot of people would probably have internalized that. So I feel like in order for me to have been able to be like, that's not mine, <laughs> I would have to realize that earlier. If that makes sense. I hope it does. I understand what you're saying. You know, what it reminds me of is I worked with a young lady who was just turning in 12. And so she was right at puberty. And puberty is pretty important, too, because it's the point where non-juvie but more importantly, your kundalini energy, which is the mental creative energy, becomes activated at that point. And that's really important. Um, she had a dream that everybody everybody that she ever knew died and it wasn't just like an announcement everybody as she went there was a plague um you know it even involved all kinds of stuff and as she went through the town and everything it's like she saw people that she knew and they were they were dead or dying it started with her brothers and um you know, she woke up from that dream. Her mother 
was a student. And so her mother had insight to the dream, but it was so comprehensive like that, that um, she called me. And so I started working with her daughter. And as we worked together and through what the imagery means, because death in a dream means change. This is probably really important for people yeah. to hear right now, because we'll be having dreams about death, um, because it's just all around us in the media and all that kind of thing. And so when, when the young lady knew that that's what the dream was talking about, it gave her ways to think and to look at what was going on in her life. And as we were talking through it and working through it, part of it had to do with school. But finally, she got to the point where the dream had happened um, within 40 a day or two of her mother letting her know that it looked like her and her dad were probably going to split. So, in uh, other words, change. the big happening was the pending divorce in the family, and it came through. The daughter in the dream of everything, not just one thing. It was going to change everything. And so once that was out as a dream and her mother knew it and Serenity, the daughter, beautiful name, um, she began to understand and talk about it. That gave, gave us a way to really work with her life. And being able to realize that, you know, some of the blame game that goes on that we learn in our families, which is never healthy, it's never wholesome, it's never it's never helpful to anybody. Yeah. So we need tools whereby we can do something different. And the dreams become they become a tool, just like they have been in indigenous tribes for, for centuries. They were a tool not only for the individual, but more for the whole tribe. So the people that I've been able to to interpretation to particularly parents parents make dream interpreters make the best parents there's no doubt about it. <laughs> because you have insight to your child that otherwise you don't have when i had my son he was starting to tell me his dreams at four i kept a dream journal for him and he now is is a filmmaker now, you know, comedy economy has kind of, you know, rocked his world because that's yeah. off the plate right now. But he'll you know, whirl, whirl around. But the ability for using the, the mind, the visual, and in a tactile way is an integrate everybody needs. So when you talk about art, I do something called sift art. Sift art is a mindful activity where you're sifting through and you're pulling pebbles out oh, and so, so it works very cool I want to do YouTube's about it because the art that's created from it is consciousness of art you love it you really so that's a whole nother thing but that and, and sometimes I've done dreams dreams I've had I've done paintings of them because I'll be working through what they mean and then put them on to a canvas one of the pictures right behind me actually um, Jamie can see it. <laughs> um, about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to get your dream, Jamie. Okay. You may, you mentioned something about lava, and Michelle asked you about, is was lava a game or something growing up? Or When I was growing up, yeah. I, I don't know if it was a 
this is a normal game, but we always played like you can't touch the ground because it's lava, so we would jump from like furniture and stuff. Okay. And the lava was, I get it. I get, you know, I get that totally. We used to do the, you know, step on a crack, you break your mother's back thing. (laughs) What's that? But yeah. So, okay. So the lava is molten earth that's moving, right? It's hot. Right? So it's melting. It's hot. Your symbol right there is fire and heat. Fire is always expansion in a dream. So there was expansion going on about your level of support because it's on the floor of the house. And this is talking about your mind. Remember, the, the house is your mind. When the dream happened, you were actively expanding your mind, expanding your your level of support. That could have been making new friends, having new mentors or teachers, um, anything like that. And in the dream, you weren't afraid of it, right? I mean, I was was afraid of the snakes. It used to scare me. Yeah. Yeah. The snakes are all wisdom. Creative energy, and quite often it will come into dreams, particularly females' dreams, during puberty and puberty time, because the snakes are a symbol throughout the world. You know, they kind of get a bad press in the West because the Bible, I think, because yeah. the snake in the in the Bible yeah. is a bad deal, right? So, so it gets bad press in the West, and the rest like that. The rest of the world, it's usually a symbol of things like eternity and creativity and just really joy in life. Um, I think it, at the time when you were that young having the dream, it probably was foreshadowing your ability to create really anything you wanted. And you may have been waking up to that and just a little bit freaked out by it, <laughs> uh, you know, that moving too fast that it was expanding too fast, you know, because of the lava, where it was getting out of hand. And that can happen. How old were you when you had that one? Do you know? I I believe the first time was when I was around five. And then I had it a few times throughout maybe like the next few years. But I don't just when I was younger. But I think a lot was happening around that time, you know, like school and all that stuff. So it could have been anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Write your dreams down, Jamie. No, I never thought about doing something like that. I feel like we should. Start doing yeah, start doing that. Get a notebook, a little stuff like this. It doesn't have to be fancy. But if you got a nice journal, and make it your dream journal. I'm getting, I'm uh, in the process of creating one online that's going to be a downloadable PDF that actually helps people to map out their dreams Ooh. and to use what I, and so you can actually go through and you can determine the elements of story in the dream and, and see what is there, what's missing, which will tell you something immediately. That also gives you a place to put down the characters in your dream, what they're doing, that kind of thing, and helps you to, it basically, is it like a template to take you through a process of actually assimilating the dream and then it would all give you this whole record because there'll be 365 days for it and if you print it print it out you put it in a notebook and it's like amazing system and i'll have a tutorial with it and everything i'm excited about that because it's just that's the dream journal 
It's helping somebody become a journalist, literally. That's really cool. So what if you have what if you have a dream that you feel like um, you shouldn't have had because it involved things that um, were kind of like inappropriate or like things I, I guess I'm trying I don't want to like, like say it are you saying like one of those dreams loud. where you're like like I'm dating Brandon but I have a dream of like sleeping with my ex <laughs> yeah like what if you have yeah. I'm curious because I've had quite a few dreams like that in the last like few years and it always makes me you feel like them really weird yeah which that's very common. And one of the reasons when I talk about purposes for remembering your dreams, that's one of them. Because I'll give you this for instance. There was, a, there was several people have done this, but I was doing a radio show years ago. And there was a man who called in and he was really, um, he was very concerned because <laughs> he would, his secretary's name and his wife was very afraid so she was getting more and more angry and her imagination was starting to be busy thinking that he was doing something with the secretary and he he felt weird so he knew that if he said he told her no once but then it kept happening and he couldn't control what he was saying he was not doing something with this and he told his wife no that he wasn't that he loved her and all that but he kept saying her name this woman's name so his wife thought he was lying so it was about to lead to a divorce and by the time that he got to you know calling on the on the radio um he was he was scared you know, a guy that was like, you know, 42, 5, somewhere in there. He was a middle-aged man. This was like 25, 30 years ago. So it was like major man to come forward and to talk about it, right? So when I think of what you're talking about, I think of those, those things because here we have who are on the verge of a divorce because they don't understand the dreams. They don't understand how the mind works, and they don't understand that it's a language. They don't understand that that dream is about him, not about him and some woman outside of him. But it's about him. So what the dream meant was, like I said earlier, everybody, everything, everything in the dream is the dreamer. Every dream is about the dreamer. So the people, places, and things in the dream represent something about you. Just like we talked about the house being your, your mind, cars being your body. People, in this case, the opposite sex for him is female. Those are aspects of his inner subconscious mind. If you think about Jung um, was an Austrian psychiatrist, he was just a Swiss, and he was just amazing in his depth of understanding. He's the one that brought archetypes to the forefront. He really populated uh, Joseph Campbell's work, which drives when Lucas <laughs> stories, he went, he had Joseph Campbell come to his ranch. And that's who he talked to. And so we have Joseph Campbell to thank for Star Wars sagas. And, um, you know, this is why everybody loves the movies. And they go to them, right? Because this is dream world. This is the real thing. So this man, when he was dreaming about the he was dreaming about his own subconscious mind. 
It was not that he wanted to mess around with her. It's not that he wanted to, to divorce his wife. It was none of that. It was that he was trying to be creative in his thinking with whatever that woman represented to him. And when we talked about it on the air, he said, well, you know, she's organized and efficient. And that was what he was trying to make in himself. Wow. He was trying to himself. His wife didn't represent that to him. His wife represented faithfulness, fidelity, love, children, all kinds of things like that. So for her to be in his dream would not have gotten the same message across to him. So the first, level, the first level was him forgiving himself for something he didn't even have to worry <laughs> you know, for dreaming about another woman. Like, no, it's not dreaming about another woman. It's not like, you know, if he wanted to have an affair with her, he would have had an affair with her. He never wanted that. Wow. And you feel like you're being unfaithful in some way to your present partner. I'm going to tell you, no, you're not. What I'm going to tell you is, is that people in a dream represent you. So what you want to do is you want to figure out what aspect they Part of it comes down the line of uh, gender. If they're people of the same sex, they're going to be talking about conscious aspects, which means aspects you're aware of in your everyday life. If it's someone that you know, like Jamie, if you if you dream of Michelle, I don't mind saying this, if you do tell me, how do you see Michelle? Describe her to me. What kind of person is she to you? Michelle is basically like my best friend. She's she's everything to me. Like she she almost kind of is like like my partner in a way, but she's friend. Like when I, when I think about her, you know, she makes me happy. I can feel like I can do anything with her. I've accomplished a lot of things in my life with her. She's just a sense of comfort and home for me. Okay, now, tell me what, um, give me three words that describe her as a She is kind, she's genuine, and she's very loving. Okay, <laughs> so, she, when she's in your dream, it's talking about that conscious aspect of Jamie, of you. So your subconscious mind is going to select her to put in your dream rather than some other woman that you know. Your subconscious mind is going to say, okay, to get this message, Amy, about kindness, we're, we're going to put, we're going to star Michelle in her dream tonight. So that when you wake up, you're going to wake up, and it may be unconscious that you're waking up with thoughts about that, but you're going to get the message. If you're conscious and awake about it, then you can go, oh, wow, that relates to how I helped somebody out yesterday. And then the rest of the, whatever the rest of the dream is, right? So when we own the dream, instead of give it away, then we begin to understand parts of our power that we're, we were casting aside. Dreaming to me is such a superpower that's in every individual. There's no end to it. Wow. And when you, when you create a cycle where you're listening to your dream in the morning, you're actually working 
working with it about today and how you want to be. Then at the end of the day, in gratitude, you look back over the day, you see how you did, you look, you know, you kind of turn things over and you think, okay, well, maybe I could have done something a little bit differently in this situation. And then you relax, you go into deep sleep, and your mind, turn it over basically to your subconscious mind for its opinion. Yeah, that makes a lot of and sense. And its opinion will come through in the dream in the morning. So when you get that going, it's a cycle. That's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I, I, I think I know the answer to this one. But I had a question about um, me learning. So when I was first learning sign language, I've had, com I've had dreams like just completely in sign language. And I'm wondering if those mean like anything special or anything like that. And sometimes I still dream in sign. And sometimes my dreams don't have sound. And that's just a, like it happens on the regular. That was perfect sense because you were interested in sign language and learned it. That you wouldn't have sound and dream. I mean, that that's like very, very much your consciousness and the fact that, that you've said it quite a few times, that you're visual. You're a visual artist. You're a visual teller. So your attention is more on perception in the eyes than on resonance and, and the ears okay at that one level another level of it is it's just like um this is fascinating to me when i learned this that people who are bilingual and particularly because i would meet them in the states and we speak english in most of the united states most people do um then maybe um if they came from south america or mexico then spanish would be their first language when they would begin to dream in England was a moniker that they had really accepted that language and everything that goes with it. Because otherwise they would tend to dream in their native tongue, which there's no right or wrong about it. It's just indicating a consciousness shift. Interesting. That's so fascinating. It is. It really is. Because it people to understand cultures it helps them to understand themselves yes but it also helps us understand cultures the cultures are important yeah so that that ups the the compassion level between people use that yeah i agree 100 yeah. percent. that's so cool i had no idea okay so i had another question you know how pregnant women have dreams where they're giving birth to like a cat or something like, I've heard of I that. I have heard. It, that's, yes. Jamie, have you heard of that? No. Okay, so, like, pregnant women <laughs> will have dreams where they're, like, giving birth to, like, a naked cat or something, and it's supposed to mean, like, you're having a boy or a girl or something like that, depending on the cat or something. It's so weird. Have you had any of those, Jamie? Remember when you had Mason? Did you have any of those? No. Okay. <laughs> so you're relatively normal. So what does that mean? Barbara, like, what does, what is that? Giving birth in a dream is talking about a new idea or a new way of life. So when you give birth in a dream or there's a baby, it's talking about, it's referring to something new in your life that you've just started and, and what's going on with it. 
you know, that is fussy and won't sleep and, you know, can't hold down formula, things like that. Then you have a new idea that you need to rest with and you need to um, feed the appropriate knowledge to. So, you know, it would, if I had that dream, then I would start to think back yesterday about, okay, was I, uh, maybe if I was working on the netters and I was, I was trying to maybe write a book or a blog or something and I'm doing some research and I get distracted on Google, you know, for a while <laughs> onto something or a YouTube or something and, and I don't stick with my topic. So I might have a dream about the fact that my baby wasn't able to hold down formula or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So my dream would help me see, okay, you were being way distracted. That's why you're not nurturing your new idea. You better nurture your new idea. Hello, wake up. If you're giving birth to something that is not your own species, which is what you're talking about, then it's there. So you've got a new way of life, but some kind of habit is connected to it. So that could be that you have a habit that you are looking at in a new way. Maybe, you know, maybe you've had, a, uh, people are doing this right now. They used to go to um, Planet Fitness or some kind of gym or something. And now the doors are closed there. So that's put a crimp on the, the habit, the healthy habit of working out two or three or four times a week at the gym. So you want to be able to switch that into some other kind of exercise program, either at home or in your backyard or whatever, right? So you have a new idea. I need to keep working out, but I need to change how I'm doing it. So you might have the dream that would help you to, to see that, that otherwise you would not have even thought about. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even think about something like that. <laughs> Jamie, have you had any weird pregnancy dreams? Uh, uh, I mean, I... I can't recall any recent. I mean, last night I had a weird dream about um, finding out I was pregnant and like peeing on a stick in the middle of. But I haven't had anything super, super thing that I can recall. <laughs> That's so strange. Wow. See, this is also eye opening, and this is stuff that we love to let our listeners know about as like something that's just out there that. You know, it's the spiritual part of our podcast. <laughs> and yet it's visual. What it tells you about your physical health and it tells you about your relationships that you know you really don't want to be unfaithful to your current partner with somebody that you knew 20 years ago or 10 years ago right. or broke up to, to whatever. I mean, that becomes very practical then. It also becomes practical when you realize that because of the nature of subconscious Fine. Deja vu is a reality. You can you can perceive probabilities before they even happen. I've known a lot of people who have been to their, their who the person who became their, became their spouse before they met them. What? And when they did meet them, it was like, wow, you're the one. Wow, that's so crazy. I've heard that many. important in terms of the importance of dreams i was doing a radio show one time in kansas city missouri and a woman called in and said 
I had this dream that I was driving my car and going down the side of the hill. I lost control of it and it scared me. So when I woke up, I haven't driven since. And I thought, well, that kind of makes sense, you know, because if you don't know what it means, then I, that's a natural reaction. As we kept talking, she said, I, I said, when did you have the dream? How long ago? Said 15 years. And I really didn't know what to say for like half a minute. It was like, that was so profound to me because immediately my mind went to all of the people, places, and things, and the ways that her life had changed because she had not driven because she didn't understand a dream because she was afraid. Wow. Wow. That's so, I so mean about crazy. It for a yeah, I feel like dreams do, they impact people's lives a lot more than we think that they do. Absolutely. And they can totally change the trajectory. There was a woman who had a dream about, she had, um, I think they were twins, two boys. And she dreamed that one of them died. <clears throat> and that dream disturbed her so much, she began to overprotect that child. And eventually it led to a divorce from her husband. Wow. When she had her dream interpreted and she understood it and it made sense to her and she started making making changes and she, she was still talking with the father of her children, they worked it out and remarried. Wow. That's the power of dream interpretation. See, I'm so amazed at how... Just people don't know a lot of stuff. Like, the spiritual stuff, it can help, you know? It's not just a load of crap. It really can help. A lot of it is very helpful in daily life, you know? I pull a tarot card every single day, and sometimes I'm like, I have no idea why the hell I just got the Ten of Pentacles. And then, you know, a few a few days later, I'm like, oh, well, that's why. I just did this thing, and that would be, that would explain why. So... You know, it's all really, it's connected, it's interwoven, and, and it's really fascinating how it all works. And, you know, when you look at it, too, spirit's where things start. We were spirit before we became physical beings, and we're going to be spirit when we leave the body. Mm -hmm. the, Tibetan, the Tibetan dream yogas are wonderful with this stuff, and it, it really does, the discipline of dreams down, of working your dreams, of realizing that they're real in their own time and place. There's no replacing that. You pulling a, a tarot card is no different than somebody else praying every day. Right. Or somebody else opening the Bible. It's no different. Mm -hmm. And yet people want to make it different, and they want to make one thing good and one thing bad. To me, I've studied interfaith across the board, and all the scriptures in the dream language say the same thing. Thing. They all agree. That's part of its beauty. But actually, it proves spirituality. It proves over time and space man's spiritual nature and the fact that dreaming has always been what we've been doing. We come to this world and we call it a life. The way that we dream, the way that our mind is, is tuned, the way that we understand ourselves and each other, the way that we create has everything to do with the quality of our life. When I think about uh, pandemics and kind of whether it's cancer or something else, doesn't matter. When I think of dis-ease, I think that it begins in mind through the emotions to the body. 
when I look at dream symbology, we've already talked about small vehicles quite often in what we've talked about here. Anything with a small vehicle, with your car, it's going to be trying to tell you about your physical body. Take care of yourself. Drink more water, exercise, sleep better, whatever you know that you need to do. Your, your subconscious mind is just giving that nudge saying, hey, 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 wake up about this. Wake up about this. Tornadoes in the dreams, tsunamis. There's a lot of those going on now. I'm hearing it because of the, the, the fear element that's going on. About some kind of emotional disruption. And depending upon whether the tsunami wiped out Hawaii, which I just talked to somebody that had that dream the other day, or if Paris, and Paris isn't even near, but Paris is a city that usually represents love to most. So you're talking about overwhelming experience of love. So it might not be a bad dream. It may be that you just met the person of your dream, your daydreams, and you're head over heels in love. But it's telling you that it's an emotional upset. It's just your emotions are just inflated. They're going everywhere, right? And it's good for you to know that. It's really good for you to know that. Mentally, if you have a dream about uh, the symbology, particularly if you have dreamed, for instance, about birds, then you're talking about um, subconscious thoughts that are in some way integrated into your everyday thinking. Interesting. So when I think about when I think about intuition, I think about dreams as being an intuitive report that is the, is there for you every time you go to sleep. So it's kind of like the morning news. You know, as a journalist, I look at it that way. It's kind of like that's the news this morning. Sometimes we talk. We we're talking earlier about remembering dreams, and I don't remember my dream today. My dreams have changed significantly in these, you know, six decades of dreaming. Now I'm working with something called Dream Sync, where I can teach people who are sleep deprived and having difficulty going to sleep. I can teach them how to sleep at will. This is this is an art and a science. People need to learn. It's important, and people can learn it now. Before, maybe it wasn't even possible, but it is now. I know my and in fiance the same way, can do that. You can learn to wait again. My fiance can do that. He can just go to sleep. And I'm just like, how the hell do you do that? Like, what is, I'm like, you're so left brain that you're just bored in your own mind. What is happening? Not at all. He has an ability that you might want to learn because that ability enables him to be able to work with all of his mind, mm -hmm. if he will mm -hmm. begin to use it in the morning to remember his dreams. Yeah. And he does remember dreams because you talked about earlier, right? Yeah. So he actually has built a skill and may have been unconscious that he can connect his day and night dreams. Wow. That's an interesting Yeah, he can That's do dream that. Yoga. He can do that 100% because I have... A he always is, I had a dream. I want to talk to you about it. I had a bad dream. I had a good dream. Let's talk about my, I'm like, let's talk about your dream. Let's cool. do it. All the time. All the time. It's amazing. I'm just like, he has this weird, like I tell you, he's some sort of like weird, like strange, empathic, like 
crazy person. <laughs> I love him to death, but it, he is he's very strange. Very much so. But I love that he can do that. Like, we talk about it all the time. It's so funny. <laughs> it, it will end during the day. That sharing is one of the most intimate communications that people can have. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Well, yeah, a lot of spend thousands of dollars on therapy and they still don't know what their dreams mean. I think that needs to change. So I end up teaching a lot of people who are counselors. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that we need to have more dream interpretation in the world. Um, especially after doing this podcast, I'm like, oh my God, everyone needs to know about this. You know what I mean? I'm like, dream interpretation is so important now because I've just realized a lot of things about my childhood now and, like, I realized I was an empath on an unconscious level or a subconscious level before I realized it on a conscious level. And I do believe that, like I said in the last episode, talking about spirit guides and angelic numbers and whatnot, I do believe we're here for a reason and we're here to learn things and I think that I learned that I was an empath at the right time. 100%. So it just makes me really happy. (laughs) Uh, As in, go ahead. I was going to say, you guys were just talking about how um, Michelle was talking about how Brandon and her fiance and her, like, talk about their dreams and stuff. And I just thought it was funny because my boyfriend always tells me that he never dreams. And I was thinking that's real or not. People just never dream? Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Many times people don't remember dreams because they wake up the way they they wake up. They wake up with a clock. And most people, actually, if if they are um, daytime-driven in their daydreams, they will. They'll they'll wake up immediately, whether it's to alarm clock or the sun or whatever, and it's like, game on. Let's go. So whatever was happening inside fades it dissolves immediately dreams move like an echo so you want to catch them on the first bounce because that's when you're going to get the most of the message and each successive echo so you still can capture parts of it but you will miss part of it and, and we, it's really exciting to dream study because you get into lucid dreaming into levels where you begin to study where did the dream begin because quite often in dream study, you will remember a dream, and then that will trigger a, an earlier dream. Yeah. Yeah. And it can trigger another. So that's a, that's a function of attention. With someone who doesn't remember dreams, it's on how they wake up. Sometimes it can be that they had a bad dream when they were young. They didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to remember it. So they'll shut it down. And so that would be, you know, you would need to open it back up. If you shut it down, you can turn it back on. That's just claiming your own power and controlling your own mm-hmm. mind. Most often, it's that it's not important. People purpose. You know, when we don't see a purpose for doing something, we usually don't do it. You know, we think it's extraneous. And so sometimes it will be an um, it'll be some kind of upset. Sometimes it can be somebody who's died who comes to visit. 
in the dream state. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a nightmare. Quite often it's a nightmare that wakes you up. So you were. In other words, most people, for most people, dreams are emotional in content in some way. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what helps you. And that's really important because there, there are two ways to really make a change. One is by rope, by just choosing what you're going to do intentionally and just doing it over and over and over and over and over so you make a change. The other way is to have an emotional impact, which causes change. That's where you get more. When you're that lined up and you have the emotional impact. And what was there one day is gone. I've seen it happen over and over and over. Clinically, there's cancer there. And the next day when they go, even to operate, it's not there. And the doctors can't explain it. They're just happy for you. you know? But that's the reality of consciousness and how it works. The quantum field. It's, it's quantum mechanics. And we're getting, it's exciting with neuroscience, we're getting more and more into that. So that's the large part of all this change that we're seeing right now in our world. Yeah, I feel like it is. I feel like we're, we're slowly waking up into the more spiritual realm. And understanding just how important that that is. You know, that's true for a lot of people who are young. Um, because there was kind of a loss of spirituality, I think, in maybe not my generation, the one after mine that, that people your age. And that's one of the things I love about dreams is it's multi-generational. Multi yeah. Dreams just go because I I've met a lot of people Michelle that are my age who they're not very you know they're eight they're not they're not spiritual at all you know it's like they don't believe in any kind of creation creator source nature anything you know and so there's no generation that has a market on that there's no time period that has a market on that. I think that spirituality is natural to people and I know that it becomes real when children are born because that's that hits upon life and what really brings and it's not, it's not your physical parents. Your physical parents gave you the, the, the vehicle but they didn't create the soul. I had the honor of walking with my dad I kind of describe it this way. My dad made me. I was able to walk with him with Lewy body dementia. Lewy body dementia is a particular form of dementia, which is not Alzheimer's. It's different. It has the same mental qualities as Alzheimer's, but it also has a physical component. That's why they call it Lewy body. And so what was happening with him was that he was losing his physical faculties and his mind was also separating at the same Aww. time. And so over time and space, it was a race between what was going to kill him, basically. What he, what he was going to end up, his his life would be over with. Mm -hmm. And because of the dream work, because of the dream work that I had done, I was able to be present with him in ways that I would not have without it. I, I was able to be with him. I was, be, I was able to determine when he was working with his mind, how he was working with it. I'll give you a short story. Probably the most painful part of his journey happened about eight months before he actually passed on and left the 
we were sitting in his living room and we were having a conversation and all of a sudden he stopped and froze. And it was about a minute and I just stayed with him. I didn't say anything. I just held that space and then he clicked back in. He was present in his body. You could tell his soul, his spirit was there. And he said, why does that happen, Bar? And he said, one minute I'm there and then I'm, I'm, I'm not there. And in that moment, because he didn't have a diagnosis yet or any of that kind of stuff. In that moment, I knew what I needed to do was make light of it. So I said, it's okay, Dad. It happens to everybody because it does. It does happen to everybody. And then I said, and he said something about um, not knowing where he, where he went. And I said, it's kind of like a drop call because it's very <laughs> much It's very much like a drop call. And the painful part of that for me and for him was the fact that he was aware that, that he was losing it. Yeah. It wasn't so much the losing it. It was that he was aware that this was happening. He didn't know where he was. And the part that's so telling with that to me, and the reason why I advocate people getting to know themselves with dreams, because it not only helps you, it helps the people you love, whether they're children or whether they're our parents who are going on or done with their life and they're leaving. And they always help us in the middle. When dad told me that, I realized months later that this is how most people look at their dreams. They fall asleep. They don't know the moment when they fell asleep. They don't know how long they slept. They don't know where they went when they were sleeping. And they're totally clueless. And then all of a sudden they're back again, waking up. And they don't think that that's odd. Right. And I think that's strange that people don't think more about their own experience, that they are so compulsive that they take for granted a large part of their life. Because on the average, people sleep about at least a quarter of their life away, if not a third. Yeah. I've heard that before. That's a pretty large number. I don't know why people don't pay more attention to that. And I figure that I think people would. <laughs> I think they will now. Because what I've learned is that with what I learned through dad. <clears throat> was that it's created by a life of unattended dreaming. Wow. That's an interesting thought. When you have refused to pay attention to, to your dreams in the day and the night <coughs> together. Wow. Then you leave your recourse, but to have that kind of separation. And it can happen at 30. It's not an old person's disease. Right. Right. It's not. My uh, a lot of people in the in my family have that as well as Parkinson's. So, yeah, that's really interesting to look at it that way as well. That's really fascinating. 
So we've been recording on for a while here now. So why don't we do one more question and then we'll say goodbye. Does that sound good? Yes, it does. All right. Um, Miss Jamie, you have a really fascinating question right there. Um, do you believe in sleep paralysis and is it really sleeping? I think that's fascinating. Sleep paralysis is a natural function of the body, which enables us to, in a, a pre-REM sleep, to have a, discon a kind of disconnection chemically in the body so that as we begin to dream, we don't try to act the dream out. In other words, where that begins to fall apart is with people who sleep talk, sleep walk. And there was even a defense years ago of a person who killed somebody when they were in the sleep state. And that was the defense oh my was God. that they were actually doing that. They were not aware. So they could not be heard about that. Really? I heard yeah. about an artist that actually like he'll fall asleep and then he makes this intricate artwork. I'm, sorry, I'm on the lighter side of things guys. So he made like an intricate artwork and like artists from around the world were studying it and was like, holy shit, how did he make this while he was sleeping? Like it was amazing. When you figure that his mind and the subconscious mind is still very much awake, that other 80% is still active. It's thinking, it's cataloging, it's creating solutions, giving you dreams. It's, re it's taking a scan of your entire body, making sure all systems are go, they're replenished, they're booted up for your next day, that if there's any kind of healing that needs to happen, you know, the best thing you can do is sleep, get out of the way and let your body heal, right? Because your subconscious mind is taking over there. And so that's a lot of stuff that happens when you're asleep, much more than when we're awake and we think we're so smart when we're awake so you know the intuitive faculty that you're talking about that gives us our creativity and and this artist that you're talking about to me that's like well of course i mean the whole practice of meditation during the day is basically honing you so that your night dreams are sharper and as your night dreams are sharper that's lucid dreaming then your meditations during the day are also deeper and that begins to curate out itself, and it just moves in this amazing yoga or union within you. That's when you find your sages. That's when you find your masters. That's when you find your yoga. That's when you find your, your healers. This is how they come about. They don't just happen. They actually develop themselves. Yeah. And I think everybody's potential. There's nobody that can't do this. It may take a while. There may be... There may be slightly different emphasis to make it happen. But to me, everybody who's here has that the potential of those superpowers. You just need to learn how to develop them. Wow. That is so awesome. That's amazing. Your teacher makes a difference. Yeah. Who you choose. Like you're saying, dream interpretation is important. Well, you can go on Google and get all kinds. Of that's true. That's stuff. so true. <laughs> you want something that's reliable, that's tried and true. And, you know, I got 45 years here that's tried and true with the people from all around the world being the dreamers, not, not just my experience. This is kind of phenomenal. And I really, really love to share it. It's been such a pleasure working with you two today. I love it. And yeah. I hope I've increased your appreciation for your dreams. Get your journal. 
Start writing them down. Oh, 100%. I got my journal over here. I picked it up before we started. I was like, oh, look, I've got this dream journal. I got it for five bucks on the Facebook Marketplace a few weeks ago, and I haven't even opened it up. So I'm going to start using it now and record some of our dreams, and maybe that can be another podcast episode. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you might be back for some more stuff, Barbara, because you got so a lot yeah. of stuff to right. talk to us about, and we want to hear more. We love listening to you guys, and we love learning. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share it with your listeners. And, you know, questions, please do reach out. And yeah. So thank you so much because we've changed the world today. We really have, especially in this time and climate. There's nothing in the mind that only, only misinformation, fear, anxiety, those kinds of things, those will be painful and will hurt you. But the mind itself, it's there as your best friend. It's there to create a wonderful life that you will relish and enjoy and have a lot of love. So live it that way. Yes, yes. And I absolutely, you know, everybody who's in, who um, is listening to this right now, I want you guys to all take out a dream journal as well. And you guys can record your dreams too. Share your dreams with us. Let us know what you guys are dreaming about. We're so curious. We always want to know new things about our listeners. Send us a voice message. Let us know what your dreams are. We are always so curious. And as usual, uh, we always want anybody who may be suffering from a certain pandemic to be okay and to always stay safe and make sure that you're following your local health guidelines and all that wonderful stuff. And we hope that we've enlightened your day just a little bit today. So we love you guys and we hope that you guys are safe. Yeah. And um, I just want to say thank you, Barbara, because I really enjoyed this a lot. She, she's been texting me like, oh my yeah. God, where did you meet her? She's so amazing. Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, she's like fangirling over here. It's so funny. I love you, Jamie. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Yes. So goodbye, everybody. And we will talk to you guys next time. We'll see you guys next week for another episode. So love you guys. Blessed be.